Our reading this evening is Ruth chapter 4. Now Boaz had gone up to the gate and sat down there. And behold, the Redeemer, of whom Boaz had spoken, came by. So Boaz said, Turn aside, friend, and sit down here. And he turned aside and sat down. And he took ten men of the elders of the city and said, Sit down here. So they sat down. Then he said to the Redeemer, Naomi, who has come back from the country of Moab, is selling the parcel of land that belonged to our relative Elimelech. So I thought I would tell you of it and say, Buy it in the presence of those sitting here and in the presence of the elders of my people. If you will redeem it, redeem it. But if you will not, tell me that I may know, for there is no one besides you to redeem it, and I come after you. And he said, I will redeem it. Then Boaz said, The day you buy the field from the hand of Naomi, you also acquire Ruth the Moabite, the widow of the dead, in order to perpetuate the name of the dead in his inheritance. Then the Redeemer said, I cannot redeem it for myself, lest I impair my own inheritance. Take my right of redemption yourself, for I cannot redeem it. Now this was the custom in former times in Israel concerning redeeming and exchanging. To confirm a transaction, the one drew off his sandal and gave it to the other, and this was the manner of attesting in Israel. So when the Redeemer said to Boaz, Buy it for yourself, he drew off his sandal. Then Boaz said to the elders and all the people, You are witnesses this day that I have bought from the hand of Naomi all that belonged to Elimelech and all that belonged to Kilion and to Malon. Also Ruth the Moabite, the widow of Malon, I have bought to be my wife, to perpetuate the name of the dead in his inheritance, that the name of the dead may not be cut off from among his brothers and from the gate of his native place. You are witnesses this day. Then all the people who were at the gate and the elders said, We are witnesses. May the Lord make the woman who is coming into your house like Rachel and Leah, who together built up the house of Israel. May you act worthily in Ephrathah and be renowned in Bethlehem. And may your house be like the house of Perez, whom Tamar bore to Judah, because of the offspring that the Lord will give you by this young woman. So Boaz took Ruth, and she became his wife. And he went into her, and the Lord gave her conception, and she bore a son. Then the women said to Naomi, Blessed be the Lord, who has not left you this day without a Redeemer, and may his name be renowned in Israel. He shall be to you a restorer of life and a nourisher of your old age. For your daughter-in-law who loves you, who is more to you than seven sons, has given birth to him. Then Naomi took the child and laid him on her lap and became his nurse. And the women of the neighborhood gave him a name, saying, A son has been born to Naomi. They named him Obed. He was the father of Jesse, the father of David. Now these are the generations of Perez. Perez fathered Hezron. Hezron fathered Ram. Ram fathered Aminadab. Aminadab fathered Nashon. Nashon fathered Salmon. Salmon fathered Boaz. Boaz fathered Obed, Obed fathered Jesse, and Jesse fathered David. O Lord, have mercy on us. Thanks be to God. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Solomon writes in the Proverbs, 
Many are the plans in the mind of man, but it is the purpose of the Lord that will stand. It is in the nature of man to make plans, to hedge against the future, to try to find solutions to problems, to look for hope in the world around, in the things that might be imagined, in our own strength, in the strength of our arms, in the strength of whatever it is we can dominate in this world. It is in the nature of men to make plans. But we know, even if we don't always believe it, we know that our plans are fragile and faltering. But it is the purpose of the Lord that will stand. The whole story of Ruth is a story about God's purposes. And the comfort for you and me in the story of Ruth is that God's purposes are for your good. If the Lord were evil, if he did not love you, then the fact that his plans are what prevail would be devastating. It would be hopeless. We would have every reason to despair. If the Lord, who created the heavens and the earth and who directs their ways and who guides your steps, if he did not love you, and if he had not made promises to you, then we should all just throw up our hands in futility. What a waste of life. That's the question that was begun at the beginning of the book of Ruth. Will the Lord be a good God? Will he be a gracious king? Will there be bread in Bethlehem? Will the curses prevail, or will God overcome those curses? The curses of fruitlessness. All along the story, you can see that there were so many forces... So many moments when things could have gone wrong, and things did, in fact, go wrong. It wasn't in the plans of Naomi and her husband Elimelech to have to leave Bethlehem in the first place. It wasn't in their plans to encounter a famine. It wasn't in their plans, having arrived in Moab, for Elimelech and Kilion and Malon to die. It wasn't even in in Naomi's plans for Ruth to come back with her to Bethlehem. It wasn't in her plans for her life to be full of bitterness instead of pleasantness. Although there were plans made when they arrived in Bethlehem, everything sort of hung by a thread. When Ruth goes out to glean, will she find someone gracious to give her room and to give her grain? When she goes out to uncover Boaz's feet, will he treat her with dignity and respect, or will he abuse her? When Boaz goes to the nearer Redeemer and offers that he can redeem Naomi and her land and Ruth as well, will he do it or will he let it go? Famine and curses and death and chance and the will of men and the potential for selfishness, all of these things are flying about in this story so that even the best laid plans of Naomi to send Ruth to the feet of Boaz, even those plans are a hope. They're a hope and a plea. She's not certain at all. She's not certain about Boaz, but she is certain of this. The Lord is good. And that whatever he determines, whatever he purposes, will be good for her. The ordinary and the mundane in the lives of Ruth and Naomi was a miracle. It was a miracle that they had bread at all. It was a miracle that they had each other. It was a miracle that they could live. And there are even greater miracles afoot in the story of Ruth. But there's a future and a hope for Naomi, who was found childless, for Ruth, who was found husbandless. There's a future and a hope for them is an even greater miracle. 
A miracle that did not come by their conspiring or by their scheming or by their manipulation, but came by the grace of God. No amount of scheming or planning or conspiring can guarantee anything. Many are the plans in the mind of man, but it is the purpose of the Lord that will stand. And it was the purpose of the Lord to save Naomi and Ruth. That that salvation occurs at all, it was an impossibility. Naomi had said to Ruth, go back to your home. There's nothing for you with me. Why should you wait hoping that I would have another son? And why should you wait hoping that he would grow up and you could marry him? This is the end of the story. Do not call me Naomi, but call me bitter instead. That there was this salvation was an impossibility. And yet, here they stand, glorying in the grace of God, marveling at his love. See how everything worked out for them, for their salvation, for their future, for their hope, and for their good. But notice this. It is not just for the good of Ruth and Naomi. That genealogy is all important. Ruth by Boaz gave birth to Obed, who was the father of Jesse, who was the father of David, who was the king of Israel. What seemed to hang on by a thread at the time was the key to the future of Israel, to Israel's prosperity. Under David and under his son, King Solomon, the kingdom of Israel was prosperous and full. God provided for all of his people by means of keeping his promises to Ruth and Naomi. But notice this, it wasn't just for that time. It wasn't just for those people living in that place. For by David, the great-grandson of Boaz, came our King and our Savior, our righteous and mighty one, our Jesus. What seemed to hang on by a thread, what seemed to be just one sequence of perils after another, was for our good and for our salvation. This is a marvelous story of God's grace worked out in the lives of Naomi and Ruth, reversing the curses, giving them bread in Bethlehem, but it is an even more marvelous story, for it is by the very same means. It is by these individuals and by their hope in God, by their faith and trust in God's promises that you and I are saved. After all, if Naomi and Ruth had not believed if they'd given in to despair, if they'd thrown up their hands and walked away, if they'd not trusted in God's promises, we would have no Jesus. And yet, here you and I are, listening to the words of Jesus, trusting in his promises, having been born from the same flesh that trusted in God's promises so long ago. Once Ruth's predicament was made known to Boaz, once he found out that she needed a redeemer, he did not waste any time. He did not rest. He went to work. And he was busy arranging things so that everything could work out. Arranging things so that everything would be done properly and in order. He was not trying to cheat anyone. He wanted to do things well and in righteousness. And he was busy. Busy saving Ruth and Naomi. When God saw our predicament, when in the Garden of Eden, Adam and Eve ate from the fruit of the tree, he set to work immediately. He promised that one of Eve's offspring would crush the serpent's head. And he set about making a way from one generation to the next, one people to the next, father to son, and so on, a way for the promise to be fulfilled, for the promise to be believed and held on to, 
for the promise to reach its goal in Christ Jesus in the fullness of time. He made that way, that long genealogy, that long string of fathers and sons leading to Jesus himself. And he has kept it going so that you and I can continue to hear the promises. He went to work and he continues to work even now. He is a redeemer, our God is, more industrious, more resolute, more faithful, more diligent, and more loving and kind even than Boaz. We see just about a shadow of God's love for us in this story, and we see that shadow play out in full color as we hear his promises, as we receive once again the forgiveness of sins, as we sing his praises, as we rejoice like those women did when they saw Naomi, blessed be the Lord who has not left you this day without a Redeemer. Blessed be the name of the Lord, for he has given his Son to you. To God alone be all glory, now and forever. Amen.